Hello everyone. I just wanted to share this experience I had with the beautiful Katara Udaro cat and Linda Coulter Burge on their show Third Eye Salon. It's a new show. It's on YouTube. Go head over to their YouTube uh, channel Third as in 3RD Eye Salon and check out their new show. They interviewed me on their show about my psychic abilities and coming into my psychic abilities and who I am. And oh, look, we had a lovely discussion. So go over there and check it out. I've just come off the Higher Self Expo, going live on the Higher Self Expo. Zane Daniels, fabulous show. It's all free. Both the Third Eye Salon and Higher Self Expo, like my shows, are free for you to watch and listen to on Facebook and, and YouTube, mostly on YouTube. So head over to the Higher Self Expo and the Third Eye Salon and check out the shows over there. Kat and Linda are going to be exploring all that it is to be psychic and intuitive and, and talking to extra dimensional beings and <clears throat> talking to our higher self and you know all of it dead people and yeah how we expand that and it's exciting so it'd be great if you go over and support them and give them a like and a comment on their on their show and enjoy the show they did with me remember to head over to their channel you know we call god the creator and yet we are the creators of our reality so when we you know say that i'm creating this i'm creating this if, when we own it like even when maybe COVID hits and you lose your job or your house burns down. It's one thing to say, I created that new job or I created, you know, attracting a, a partner or I created making money. It's one thing to sort of own what you've created when the good stuff's happening. And it's another thing to say, I created that when your house burns down and every other house burns down because that seems like out of your control, right? It just seems completely out of your control. Uh, but on some level you did on some level you created it that there is a part of you that has created that and it's created it for your highest good like what am I remembering about myself because my house burnt down I'm remembering to be grateful I'm remembering not to focus on my material stuff as my worth or who I am or to identify with what I have as being who I am and coming more back to self and how I feel and how I serve this world. You know, who I am is what I give and not what I get. Thank you everyone for coming back to Third Eye Salon. We are so excited. Of course, I've got the lovely goddess here with me, Linda Calder-Burge. Hi everybody. And we have our first guest ever, Miss Karen Swain, all the way from Australia, from Sydney, Australia. Welcome, Karen. It's so great to be on your show, guys. Thanks so much for having me. Woohoo! <laughs> I just had to throw in a woohoo. Well, we've been saying woohoo for what two weeks now. <laughs> can't wait! Can't wait! <laughs> yeah. yeah, Karen is amazing. Um, She's someone I've been following for the last year and a half and her teachings, her wisdom, the conversations she's had with the guests on her show, um, which we'll put her uh, info down below as well. We'll have her link there, um, has been, has changed my life. And that's what this show is about. We really, Linda and I have really wanted to bring people on, not just talk, to talk about extraordinary, extraordinary experiences, 
but to get to the heart of the piece of transformation and that the transformations we go to go through are available for everybody. It's not just that Karen's an amazing psychic who can hear her mob whenever she wants and is able to channel them at a drop of a hat. It's that this is something she teaches to others. She can bring and walk other people into their empowerment as well. It's a gift that she gives by living, living it out into the world. Karn Swain is a teacher of deliberate creation, spiritual mentor, educator, host for ATPA Media, author and inspirational speaker who activates, accelerates, acclimates, and accentuates the new world teachers, supporting the light weavers and difference makers who are bringing a new dawn of reality. Amen. Karn enlightens you to the power of your thoughts and beliefs, how they create your reality, and how to live in alignment with your emotional guidance system. This is guidance on a cosmic scale. Remembering your connection to your spiritual team and multi-dimensional self, who you are, why you are here, and how you help this world. She is one of Australia's foremost thought leaders and change agents, showing you the way to a happier, healthier, and more connected multi-dimensional life. Is that all? <laughs> That's so dynamic. <laughs> we all have to come up with an elevator pitch. That took me about 15 years to come up with. <laughs> you know, who am I? What am I doing here? How do I put that in a couple of sentences? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the thing that you talk about on your show is that you work with the change makers, the people who are coming into their power, who are ready to stop playing small and own their divinity. Yeah, own their power, own their true self, absolutely. You know, eventually we'll all have to do that. Generations might come and go before everybody does that, but that's the evolutionary road that humanity is on and you guys are the people that are teaching the people that are teaching that are people that are, you know, like we're teaching. <laughs> because we're the way showers, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and so, yeah. Yeah, I, so I, I'm really excited because you um, are usually the one that has guests on, and you're you're delving into to their lives and how it's affected them, and we get to do that for you, and your audience gets to hear a little bit about you for a change, and I think that's so exciting for for me to be a part of. So thank you. Oh, thanks, Linda. I know Kat is well versed in me. I forget he's watched so many of the shows that, um, you know, I was just saying to Linda before that when you, when you work as a healer or a teacher and you're, and you're interviewing others, it's important to, you know, not leave yourself out of the conversation. So when people have watched a lot of my shows, they get to know me because I'll throw in little stories in each show. And it's amazing how, you know, when I have clients and they say, oh, you did this, it's amazing how much, how many stories I throw in. But when you've watched a lot of the shows, you get to sort of, get a a picture of who of uh, you know who i am and what i've been through so we're going to do that for you guys too huh yeah well let's focus on let's hear your a little bit of your background which i can spit out some of the chunks like i've said i've, I've been with you for a year and a half and just uh falling in love more and more each show um just i just love your heart i just want to say karen i love your heart that you truly care about people you have 
a tremendous heart that I don't think um, is recognized oftentimes in the midst of, you know, you having these conversations, but I can see it, uh, how much you care and how much you are rooting for people's transformation. And you've had some rough, rough patches in your yourself. Um, you have... <laughs> Oh, you're such an angel. Aww, I think this is what I mean. Hot. It's true. It's true. I feel like you need to be recognized for everything that you do. And you're such an active member in Sydney and in the local, you know, metaphysical communities, your regional metaphysical communities. There's so much that you co-orchestrate with people and help them make happen. And you really are a pillar. I mean, I live in America, but I know this about you because I see all the things that you're doing and you really are a pillar. And I, I think that needs to be spoken to and appreciated. Um, and, you know, what I know from you uh, is that, you know, you started off doing massage therapy. You got a degree in naturopath, be becoming a naturopath. Um, yeah. There's so much work that you've done uh, in your journey. And when you first started to realize that you were hearing what you call your mob um, messages, messages of messengers of bliss, is that, am I saying that right? The mob, you're. Oh, I call them blissful beings. I had to, you know, blissful I had to come up with a name for them. They don't really give you a name. I used to call them the mob. And then I thought I'd better have a prettier name. So I'll call them blissful. <laughs> you're blissful beings in your experience. And they kind of showed up as your common sense. You're like, oh, this is just my common sense. And then at one point you were like, Actually, no, actually, that's my guidance. That's my guidance system. And it's a guidance system that you teach other people how to connect into. Can you share a little bit about that journey? Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, when I started this journey, uh, look, I think that everyone starts as a child because what are you interested in? And I remember my um, auntie, my, um, yeah, my mum's brother's wife, was talking about going to psychics and that just fascinated me as a kid like a psychic oh you know a psychic what does a psychic do i think i was about 11 or 10 when the nanny that we had um i was living with my father and his second wife and that and we had a little oblivion nanny she said let me read your palm and uh i'm like what like that was the first introduction to anything psychic and what was so crazy is that we're all psychic and we're all living it and kids are living it more than anybody else. So it's happening. It's operating all the time. It's just that there's no, in the mainstream world, there's more now, obviously, because we've got the internet. But in those days, in the mainstream world, there was no conversation about it. And if there was a conversation about it, it was some crazy hippie, uh, you know, lady in a reading a crystal ball and she was made out to be crazy and, and so there was no mainstream conversation about psychic ability back then but you know I think as a kid you, you just like you, you want to like you, you're interested in it and that's that's pointing you in the direction of like what's going to happen in your life except back then there was no um, like people weren't making careers out of being psychic like they are today uh, so really the look, mum dies and I'm dreaming about her all the time. And uh, I'm getting all these messages in my dreams. But really, it wasn't until I was in my 30s when I started doing energy healing workshops. And they were literally teaching you how to be psychic that I realized that what I was paying to learn, I had done all my life. And, and, and never referenced it that way, never, ever referenced it that way. So this was after five years full-time study as a naturopath. And then I opened a furniture shop um, 
I think I had Annika, I had the baby just before on my last, you know, I was doing the last exams for five years, full-time study, looking into healing and didn't see anything that I thought was going to change the world. Like I just, what I did see was I wanted every school to put anatomy and physiology. I think we needed to understand our bodies better, especially in what's going on with today, right? So this is like 35 years ago and it still hasn't happened. Like why isn't the school curriculum telling us about how our bodies work, like in an intimate way, we're wearing these things. Anyway, I get passionate about that. So, uh, so we don't place all our power in some doctor that's saying, you know, this is, you know, so. And uh, yeah, so we were doing, you know, reading each other and seeing each other's guides and looking inside people's bodies. We were learning how to do um, what's called into medical intuition where you look inside people's bodies which I still can do today but it was more based on a diagnosis as opposed to um, like let's look and see what's wrong with you as opposed to looking at the energy um, anyway mm. there's just so much to say but <laughs> I remember being with this woman and saying I can't do this I can't do this you know thinking it was so outside my ability to do because it was so strange and she said, you can do it. She was coaching me. This is another student in this class. She's coaching me going, you can do it. You can do it. You can do it. Like, just make it up. Just pretend. And this is what I say to people too when I do it. Like, just use your wild imagination. If you could see, what would you see? And so I go, okay. And then I start telling her what I see. And I open my eyes and she goes, you're spot on. And I'm like, oh, wow. And then I thought, wow, I've been doing this all along. Because I was massaging people after I... Um, did my full-time you know naturopathy course and opened a furniture open and closed a furniture and homeware shop i started massaging people to earn money and i just thought that i was seeing inside the body because i'd studied it so i knew what the body looked like i'd spent five years full-time study studying the body so i'm thinking i'm massaging people i'm like the bones are there and the muscles are there and the liver is there and i'm thinking i'm using my memory and what I was doing was I was actually looking inside people. And I, I just like it just hit me like a brick that when I learned to um, become medical intuitive, I had been doing it all along. And, and so this is something that when I'm teaching people, we're all doing it all the time. We're just not referencing it. Linda's nodding. We're just not referencing it that way. We're saying uh, gut feeling, I don't know, imagination. So we've got to own it because we're all psychic and we're all expanding our psychic abilities. And uh, it's the only way we operate when we come into this world. We have to develop our physical senses. We have to learn how to taste. We have to learn how to smell. We have to learn how to see. We have to learn how to hear. All those physical, we have to even learn how to touch or feel the touch. But we're operating psychically. So there is a telepathic communication happening between the mother and child. In fact, the child doesn't understand that the mother's body is in fact, separate from their own body, they're thinking that, you know, you're so connected energetically in that way. You've been physically connected in the womb and, and you're still connected until your physical senses kick in. And then you start to rely on your physical senses and you take your attention away from your psychic senses. And then those psychic senses kind of get pushed in the background. But they're always there. They're always operating. We couldn't navigate this world without using them. You know, in the Seth books I read years ago, he said, everyone on your planet is communicating telepathically. He said, you couldn't drive on your roads if you are not. And when you start to place your awareness on how you are already doing it, 
you start to expand your awareness that you're doing it. And as you expand your awareness that you're doing it, you start to bring those abilities back online. <laughs> Look at Kat thinking. He's thinking about driving. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I know that's true because I've, I've experienced that myself, but I've also heard other, heard other people say that who came into their awareness of being empathic where they didn't know that they were empathing. And then, and I had that experience as well, where like I went to a class to train how to be an empath and I was able to read people like left and right. And I was like, oh, this, I know how to do this. This is just part of who I am. And I, Linda's got stacks on stacks of stories of her experience of, I mean, she's clairaudient as well. So she very much hears her mob, you know, chatting to her, giving her a hard time sometimes, you know, to make her laugh. But, um, yeah, I want Linda to hop in and, and give some. Yeah, I, I'm just thinking about all the times in my life that I've said, oh, I don't do that. And Kat, the number one that says, are you kidding me? You did it last week. You know, <laughs> are you, of course you do. You've been doing that since I've known you. And it's like, no, I haven't. And the more I think about it, it's like, oh, right. my abilities when it was my clients that actually pointed it out. I would be doing coaching for their business and they go, yeah, that's nice. Whatever that is that you do, or you kind of just look through me, that's when the real cool stuff comes out. But you should warn people because, you know, you kind of just look through them when you do it. It's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> so, yeah. You were a business coach before, were you? Mm -hmm. I was a business coach. And so I, I would... And I still do that. I still do that with my clients. But what they really like is that you can move in. I can move in between, and it's that in between that comes in, and, and those those things that I'll pull in that I haven't been told that um, you know that are completely off the topic of what they wanted to talk about. And it's like, yeah, that's nice. But what I keep hearing is, you know, what is this about? And and just like a ball dropping and and them looking at me like how did you yeah that's really bothering me i know it's uh look when i was young and i was doing it with people it freaked people out because yeah. when, you know, when you meet someone you know you know everything about them you know their secrets you know their fears you know their desires it's just like they don't you the mask doesn't cut it you know people put their mask on but when you're an intuitive, an empath, or whatever you want to call yourself, a psychic, you see straight through the mask, and and you you're hearing their thoughts in a way. Um, I was doing this last night. I was watching um, someone, some people talk on 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 YouTube, and I kept hearing their thoughts, like their thoughts of, you know, do I look alright? I hope I look cool. You know, like those sort of insecure thoughts. Even though these people were great people, their their insecure thoughts were just screaming at me, which was distracting me from what they were saying. <laughs> which is a bit anyway. So people don't want you to see that. You know, they want you to see I'm cool. You know, I'm chill. I'm not insecure or whatever. And um, and when you respond to those thoughts, they're you know, like you say to somebody, how are you? And they say, oh, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. And you go, you're not, I'm not sensing you're fine. And then they're like, don't tell me, you know, like they sort of. <laughs> so that's what I discovered when I was young, that I could see straight through people. And when I responded to the truth of what I was seeing, they pushed back, like they did not 
want to reveal their true self. They wanted to like hide behind the mask. So it was really confronting for people. There was a time where I was in this, I was in my early 20s. I was working as a naturopathic student or studying as a, and this guy moved into our house and he was, everyone loved this guy. He just instantly was your mate the minute he met you and he'd shorten your no, name. He'd go, he'd be introduced like, oh, this is Karen. And he'd go, oh, g'day, Kaz. How you going? Really great to meet you. He was like everyone's best friend, right? He, and everyone was saying, this guy is so great. Isn't he great? He's so funny. He's so nice. And I had this horrible feeling about him. I just I couldn't stand him. I'm about 23 anyway, and he's living with me. And I confront him one day and he's like, you don't like me, do you? And I said, well, it's not that I don't like you. I just don't feel like something's right here. Anyway, he turned out to be really aggressive and violent and he got really aggressive and we had to actually call the police and have him dragged away. So underneath his loving everybody, g'day mate, and you know, he was bubbling with anger and resentment and I could feel it and uh, it got me in trouble. But um, yeah, so it was not easy was not easy today i would do it differently you know i would because i would sort of see the love in the guy instead of like even though you see the bubbling resentment and hatred like bubbling under the surface of the mask the smiley face i would still connect to the love that this guy is and and you know like come from a more healing perspective rather than what i'm sensing uh you know as a young girl yeah and for you, this is my take on that, is that that was your red flag and that red flag needed to be addressed. It was your protection system that was popping in. And because you weren't consciously working with your gifts at that time, you were reacting to the stimulus that you were being given because your gifts were still active. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. And I'm just curious, what was the turning point for you? I mean, you've talked about it a bit in terms of going into this class, learning you had these abilities. I'm curious because now you teach people how to listen to their guides and it's something that you really um, are great at and you really challenge people and you just get them out of their, like you said, like your person said to you, well, just make it up. What would it feel like? What, what could you imagine? You know, and I'm wondering what was the pivot point where you got the aha that these are my guides. It is my common sense, but it's also my guides common sense coming through me. Was there a moment where that light bulb really clicked on for you? You know, Kat, there wasn't really a moment uh, during that course. I realized I'd already been doing it, but then I had to understand exactly what I was doing. And that took a while. That that took some practice. Um, look, during uh, what was happening, uh, during reading the book Conversation with God <clears throat> was something that really hit the mark for me. So so in the book Conversation with God, Neil, Neil Donald Walsh, is being the fabulous Neil Donald Walsh and, you know, full of questions and full of doubt and full of, you know, just like being that sort of human self. And so he's asking God these questions and then God's answering through him, you know, he's channeling God. And so there are these two distinct personalities in the book. There's the Neil personality and there's the God uh, answering the question. And what I would find is as I was reading that book, I would hear Neil's questions and then I'd go, oh, that's a really good question. And then I'd come up with my own questions. I'd go, oh, yeah, but what about that too? And what about that? And what about that? Because I'm like always full of questions. Mm -hmm. So the answers to those questions weren't addressed in the book, but I would, re would receive the answers. Mm -hmm. And 
so I'm like, he's having a conversation with God and I'm having a conversation with God. And that's when I realized that I'm having that direct conversation with, you know, you can call it God, you can call it the mob. I asked for years who they were, what their names were, and I really got no distinct um, answer. I'm so glad that to hear that because I've had the same experience where I've I used my pendulum and and it's got a personality when I am having these conversations. Cat jokes because I argue with it and <laughs> have conversations. And I asked, you know, what? Who is this? And you know, I, and I, I I remember going through like every. Thing I could possibly think of. Are you an angel? Are you this? Are you that? You know, and I just kept getting no, 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 no. And finally I got, it's like, can I, what can I call you? And I just got, I am that without name. And it was like, okay, whoa, whoa. <laughs> That's deep. Yeah, exactly. It, yeah. You know, over the years, they've they've defined it more for me. But at the time, I remember going to another course, Meet Your Spirit Guide, and they gave us, this is back in the day where we had little tape recorders, and, you know, you put in your tape and they'd do a guided meditation and, and you'd go down a, a windy road and you'd come to a babbling brook and you'd sit by the brook and you're all in peace and bliss, you know, your happy place, and then you would invite your spirit guide to come and meet you. And no one ever turned up. And I remember saying to my instructor, I, I just, what am I doing wrong? I'm not doing this. I'm not doing this. And he's like, I don't know. Maybe you just can't do this. You know, he was not giving me any encouragement. Mm -hmm. And so I tried and tried and tried again. And then one day I just heard people laughing at me, just laughing. They thought I was hilarious. They laugh at me a lot. Like they just laugh at me a lot. And what I get is when you're a master, as we all are, like before we come into these human bodies and we go through the veil and we forget who we are, we're all masters, right? When you're a master and you're trying to remember who you are, the fact that you are a master seems uh, so funny to them because it's a master who's forgotten they're a master and then they're remembering. And they, it's like, it's hilariously funny to them that we ask these silly, inane, stupid questions when we're these incredible masters. <laughs> So they were laughing at me and I'm like, what, what, what are you laughing at? And they said, God, Karen, you know, you create your own reality. Not only do you create your reality in this life, but you create your reality in, in, in that, you know, your psychic ability as well. You want someone to turn up, think of who you want and, you know, pick someone and we'll turn up as that. And so I'm a young woman and I'm like, oh, you know, a young, handsome man. And then bang. As soon as I had decided who I wanted to speak to, I got this image of this young, handsome man uh, talking to me. And then they said to me, we've been so many personalities, more than you can you know, even imagine to think about. Um, yeah, so just you know, pick who you want to talk to and we'll turn up. So it's, it's actually like they're saying access all areas. Like you have this access backstage pass, access all areas. And what they've said to me, the closest thing that I've come to understanding who the mob are is a social memory complex, which is what is discussed in the law of one, like trying to find, put some words or a label to who I'm talking to uh, in that we are the combination of lives lived on earth, every master's life, every, the combination of all that knowledge. 
And so in the law of one material, they talk about Ra being the social memory complex of Venus. So there's this whole civilization that, that lived on Venus that, you know, came and went and came and went, you know, masters, students, people, whatever. And the social memory complex is the combination of all that knowledge and information and learning. And so it's, you could call it God if you like, but it's just kind of defining it down. And they were saying that we are the social memory complex of not just this world, but many other worlds in the cosmos. So it's kind of like you've got access to infinite intelligence and you're talking to, yeah, there's really no name for it. I just call them the mob or blissful beings. But um, you can access anyone you want to access when you want to access it. So it's not the all that is because the all that is is so infinitely so oh. infinite we can't even imagine. But it's all that we need to know on this world and others. So it means that you've got access to multidimensional beings, you know, beings from other planets and but other planets that are specifically focused on this world. So Yeah. My experience of it is is that there is like a filtering down. And the more that you filter up, the less the personality is cohesive and the more loose the personality becomes, the more you filter down, the more distinctive the personality and presentation of that being becomes. And they have less of an attachment because just like we're connecting into the higher realms, connecting into our higher self, going into that state of bliss, well, they are doing that as well, even though they have indiv individuation of who they are, they just don't have the same attachment. And as we, as we do on humans, where we're very, like our ego is so specific in terms of how we engage the world. And when I connect to, like, I was connecting to my friend's higher self. Uh, she was going through some hard stuff with her, with her spouse. And I was connecting to her higher self and relating what his heart was saying to her. As soon as I connected to his, her higher self, it was like his higher self the, the way that I see it is like when you see a cumulus cloud, you see those little bumps on the cloud, but it's still one big cloud. Like he was one bump on the cloud and he was connected to all the other bumps that are all in the one big cloud, but they're individuated points. And so he was coming out to me and expressing these things from his heart to hers. And I was able to connect into him and then be able to see, and that's happened more than one occasion where it's like, oh, I'm speaking to this collective. This collective is showing up and there's a specific voice coming out, but it's a collective. And, you know, and that's when I connect with my guides now, I do have different personalities come out, but they are like, we are many, we are one. They're still giving me this reference point of like, you're part of us. Like you're saying, we're, you're, you're one of us and you're a part of our continuum, but we are also one, even though we're many. Does that resonate? Yeah, look, as humans, we want spirit guides to have some identity because that's how we relate to each other, right? Yes. But if you think about what you're connecting to is information or knowledge or as, you know, it says in the Law of One, social memory, you're actually connecting to knowledge, information, because like you say, as we're leading our physical lives, we are focused in a physical body with a with a you know singular identity, so that we can explore separateness. And as we evolve um, or return back to the more God consciousness, the lines get really blurred, 
and you can have you know clumps of individualization but it gets more you start to just merge back into the sea of oneness and individualization becomes less important so there's so there is no name or personality or so it's like i'm just connecting into knowledge mm. it's, it's really i think you understand this it's it's really hard to sort of try and explain it um, from this perspective, you know, there are many channels like Michaela Sheldon who says, oh, now I'm, I'm channeling the Palladian Council. Oh, now I'm channeling this people, yeah. now group, that group. And she's giving them names and stuff like that. And I've always watched her and go, wow, I don't get those names. Like I just don't, I just don't, I just don't get those names. I, I, um, I just get the information that just streams through, just funnels through, bang. Well, and it doesn't tell me where it comes from. Right, and I think it's probably different for different people. I really want people to feel empowered to have their own experience with it because that was the thing that can catch you up is like, oh, well, then the way that I'm doing it must be wrong. The way I'm experiencing it must be wrong. And it's like, no, you are experiencing it differently. Like mm -hmm. I have Sarah and Paul are two of my spirit guides and I know their names. I've met others that have specific names and shown up to me in my dreams and given me specific names. So like I, I do have the individuation, but I yeah. still feel them collected into a greater whole. Um, what's been, what feedback and thoughts do you have, Miss Linda? I'll make it your uh, feedback and reflection and questions. Mine is again, much more like Karen's where I don't have the names. I have personality, which I find interesting and joking. And um, which, which I, I, at first it kind of threw me off. It's like, wow, that there's, Joking. No, it's supposed to be, my, my image is it's supposed to be serious. <laughs> so to have that happen and have these little like inside jokes going on. And when I first was experiencing it, it's like, am I losing my mind? Am I, you know, and I would, I literally had to go through a phase of delving into whether or not I was losing my mind, hearing these things happening and, and, realizing now oh, I'm hearing about future events. Now I'm hearing warning signs about, you know, walking up to, I remember very distinctly walking up to a corner and hearing watch out, you know, and that would happen more than once. And it was like, oh, there's black ice around the corner. I never would have seen that. I was going like about out of hell and I would have just landed as soon as I hit it, had I not stopped and looked around. And so it was like, oh, okay. So, for me, though, I, I, I hear people talking about uh, the different identities that they give, and I go, hmm, okay, that, that's interesting, that's their truth, I, I don't get that, I haven't, I haven't experienced that, it doesn't make it not real, but it's not my, it's not my experience. Yeah, I, I think identity is important like I said, because that's the way we relate. And a lot of people, when they are speaking to another realm of existence, need that identity. And, and often, you know, people come into the physical world and they have a relationship with them and then they die and it gives them access to those other realms through that connection with that personality identity. And that's really important. Like a lot of people come to earth to teach about our multi-dimensionality through being physical and then dying and then giving them like so many people on my show and and um, in the book too have 
you know, touched the other side, as we call it, or heaven or whatever you want to call it, through the death of a loved one, because then they've started to wonder, you know, where they went, which was really my uh, experience too. Mum dies when I'm about 16 and I keep thinking, well, where did she go? And if there's some place that she went, she was there obviously before she came. And then that just sparked more questions. Like if there is this place that we go when we die and we are obviously there before we come, what is that place? And, you know, like there's just so many questions like that uh, over the years have been answered and it's more infinite that we can imagine. Back then it's like here and there and now it's like this, this here is just a tiny speck in the there that's like that we can experience after we're here, right? Like when we're not focused here. So... It's not just two places like heaven and earth. It's like earth experience and then, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> and everywhere else. And then everywhere else, exactly. Yeah. It's interesting when like psychics will have, um, even you read so many people have had near-death experiences and psychics who've, who, you know, I, I can't remember her name, but you interviewed somebody this summer where the thing that triggered their psychic ability was the death of their son. And um, it's like once, and because I love the stuff, and I'm always watching videos and reading books, and blah, blah, love it. Um, like the psychics who have so, like somebody pass over and they connect, they're like, "Oh, this is my son in this lifetime," but then they were this, they were that. Oh, and they lived on another planet, and they start to see this soul as it's existed in all of its expressions, and it's no longer my son. It's like we're two points of light they are having multiple experiences and multiple encounters within our experiences but these identities are kind of like you know the avatars that we get to wear the, the body suits we get to wear the expressions we get to have all to facilitate our growth learning understand understanding and reconnection to the ultimate divine which you know like linda says has no name her her, her voice that says don't name me don't got a name <laughs> Stop trying to label me. <laughs> I have to say, uh, uh, my frustration from my linear uh, identity, you know, focused mind was screaming out and screaming out and screaming out, like, give me some name, some individual, just something. Give me something to, you know, to grasp onto. It's all very well that you're this nebulous blob or mob or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> it's all very well. <laughs> And, you know, um, so Jesus stepped forward, which was just bizarre for me because I just was not into religion at all. Like I was, I, I grew up without it and um, I just thought religion was crazy, really. None of it made sense to me, anybody's religion. It just, just seemed crazy. I guess you could call me agnostic until I started developing or being more aware of my intuitive psychic abilities. But Jesus or Sananda um, insisted that I draw him. And so it's on my screensaver. I don't know if you can see I've that. I've seen that. Oh, wow. And, uh, and, and then he laughs because he's like, I'm screaming out for some name or personality. And so he steps forward and then he goes, why did you think I got you to draw me? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, right, right, okay, right. So it's so interesting how we're drawn to different things, even when the logical mind says, you know, I don't really believe in that whole Jesus thing. Because Jesus to me were God botherers that would come knocking at your door and try and um, save your soul, you know, right. and it really used to upset me. <laughs> <laughs> 
there I was drawing him and talking to him the whole time, which I found hilarious, you know, because it's just like awareness of, because I think that on a subconscious level, uh, who we are and why we're here is being revealed to us. And then the conscious mind has to get up to speed with what the subconscious and the superconscious knows. Like the conscious mind has to become conscious of what the subconscious mind knows. Uh, so it's so interesting. And um, when Esther Hicks said, somebody asked Esther, who is Abraham? Like, who are you tapping into? And she said the st same stream of consciousness that all teachers on earth have tapped into, the same stream of consciousness that Jesus tapped into, Buddha, Muhammad, you know, Abraham, it's the same stream of consciousness. And that really resonated with me. I'm like, oh, okay, it's a stream of consciousness. And there, and all the teachers that are teaching here on earth, you know, reminding people of who they are as that connection to the divine or that extension of the divine, you know, tapping into that same stream of consciousness. Not everyone is speaking from that place, but, you know, most teachers like the Buddha and the Mother Marys and the, you know, are talking, some called it God. Um, but then God is so infinite that uh, there needs to be a focus on this world. Do you know what I mean? Like this world is just one in the infinite worlds that are out there. Mm. So there's a focus on this world and there's a level of understanding that this world is coming into. And so there's a focus that you're tapping into as well. Uh, so those great teachers that came to teach humanity, like the Buddha and Jesus and all the rest of them, are speaking to that stream of consciousness. And, and that made a lot of sense to me in trying to understand who, who the heck am I talking to? <laughs> Well, what am I talking to? You're a really um, good artist. I didn't know you drew that because I saw that I've seen that on uh, Facebook, but I had no idea you drew that. Like, that's another wow. That's a that, like that was a channel drawing. A friend had given wow. me a, a holographic card. You know those little hologram cards. Those are yeah, anyway. the yeah. base of the um, the the shroud of what's it called? The shroud of Turin that. Uh, um, an yeah. artist done a rendition of what they thought the face of Jesus looked like. And so it was sitting on a, I didn't have a mantelpiece, but it was sitting somewhere in my house. And I kept staring at it. And um, when she gave it to me, I'm like, oh, yeah, thanks very much, Jesus. Yeah, right. Okay, Jesus. Thanks. That's lovely. Thank you. <laughs> sort of a bit cynical. <laughs> Again, I used to think people that talked about Jesus were God botherers and they were trying to save your soul and it really irked me. So I've got this thing. I'm, I've honoured my friend by having it up in my house because she gave it to me, right? And it just kept talking to me. And then one day I just felt possessed, obsessed. I had to draw this face. I had to draw it. I just like, I want to draw that. You know, I want to draw that. I don't know why I wanted to draw. I just wanted to draw it. So I got this sort of piece of canvas and, and started drawing. And my flatmate would come home and go, oh, hi, how are you? Do you want a cup of tea? I'm like, can't talk, drawing. You want some dinner? Can't talk, drawing. And she was just like, she was, she was just like, oh, that's rude. But I was a bit, I was like this woman possessed. I was possessed. I was drawing this face. <laughs> Somebody said to me when I told that story, a bit like the guy in the movie Close Encounters and he's um, trying to uh, draw the mouth. Yeah, and he, with his, in his mashed potato. And I thought, yeah, exactly like that, actually. just Just had to draw this face. And I remember as I was drawing it, Doing the lines going, no, that's not right, that's not right. 
that's it. No, that's not right. That's not right. And that's it. So I'm sort of drawing from this memory. I don't know, this memory. Mm. And, uh, yeah, it was interesting. It's one of those paintings that, a bit like the Mona Lisa, when anywhere where you are in the room, it's looking at you. It's just, it has this energy imbued in it that is just, yeah, one of those channel drawings. I see you've got some lovely art behind you too, Kat. Did you do that? Yeah, yeah, that's me playing with paint. <laughs> I've got, I like to draw blue people a lot. Yeah. I, a lot of my people tend to be blue, which makes me think of Krishna, which makes me think of Courtney Beck, um, one of the people you've had on your show, and who had that same experience of like, Krishna came to her and she was like, what the, what the, doodle Krishna, you know, again, where you like, don't have this conscious resonance with this. You're not looking for it, but it's like, and it's time you agree to it. So I'm showing up. Um, you agreed. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Blue people. I know. I used to be married to a Hare Krishna and he was obsessed with um, aliens too. I'm pretty sure that most of the masters that have come to earth have you know well graduated earth school and they're living lives on other planets and they're you know they're aliens like jesus is an alien <laughs> wouldn't the religious people love that like jesus is an alien buddha was an alien krishna an alien all these aliens that we've oh, called yeah, multi-dimensional beings that have come back to earth to remind humanity of who they are to you know i don't call it teaching because we all know this before we come we just forget and then we have to remember so to remember, it says in the book Conversation with God, is to once again become a member of the body of God, to remember. Mm -hmm. I love that. And to, um, there's some great quotes in the Conversation with God books, just so clever, so clever. To remind is to remind. So we're thinking in one way, the mind is one way, and then we're rewiring the mind to remind. To the higher uh, mind. Yeah, yeah to the I higher. like that. Well, okay, so one of the things that we had talked about when I wanted to discuss today was security. And it was kind of a hard topic initially to, to crack open, but I feel like it's important because we're here we are talking about spirit guides and being able to you know, chat to our spirit guides. And there are a lot of people out there who struggle with that and they're struggling with a lot of transition, a lot of change, a lot of upheaval right now. I mean, I guess, uh, let me, crack the egg open first by saying, Karen, what, asking, Karen, what is your take on all the upheaval? There's been financial crisis due to coronavirus. There's been, Australia was ravaged with fires that I think America knew about and forgot about, but like it was a huge devastating impact on Australia. Um, there are just so many different, you know, weather, all different things popping up, so much of our regular normal security has been pulled out from under us. I'm wondering what is your perspective on that and what's been your experience of that? What's been the truth that you've sussed out from watching all of this craziness? Look, you've heard me say many times, Kat, when I'm rabbiting to the camera, uh, just me on the show, on my own show, we have to decide, uh, Wayne Dyer said this, you know, we have to decide that we live in a friendly, or a hostile universe. And when we remember that everything that's happening is happening for us, we'll understand that even when it looks like catastrophe, uh, there is a reason that it's happening. And if we can trust that, if we can trust that all that's happening is for our, is well, really it's an answer to uh, a desire or a prayer 
or an asking. Uh, and it's all happening for us. Uh, sometimes, you know, when we're asking and we're not available to the answers, we get these sledgehammer moments and um, it's like we're getting head over the, hit over the head by two by four, like, wake up, wake up. So people on their spiritual journey are saying, you know, I want to be more enlightened. I want to be happier. I want to be more joyous. I want to meet my spirit guides. I want to talk to God or I want, you know, Jesus or the angels to help me or whatever people are asking for. And then they go back into their normal life and they're all up in their upset and their criticism and their judgment. And then something like your house burns down and you think and then your neighbors rescue you and they and they put you up and they feed you and they clothe you and now you're in gratitude and now you're humble and you're in gratitude and you're like oh my god thank you so much thank you so much you know and, and so what you were asking for in connecting to this higher mind is really you're asking to feel that gratitude that peace that 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 reverence that grace and so when we do feel that more in our daily lives we don't need to get these sledgehammer moments but earth is having a sledgehammer moment you know planet earth is having a sledgehammer moment with the fires like the californian fires i've just been reading about uh the pandemic and like we're having our human sledgehammer moment so you know recently my daughter's house burnt down in the fires and she lost a lot of stuff you know but had that not happened uh, she wouldn't have come back to Sydney. She got a job on a boat when the pandemic hit. This guy said, come on, we're going to go sailing. And she's on this trip of a lifetime. Like, had you know, when you look back in hindsight, you can see that when your house burnt down, had that not happened, this wouldn't have happened and this wouldn't have happened and this wouldn't have happened. And you can see how it all happened for you because at the time she was asking for more adventure and I want to travel and I want this and I want that. And But she was working on a farm and everything's happening for us. So getting back to security, I guess the word security denotes fear. Um, when you're asking for security, it's coming from a place of fearing that you're not going to be okay. Uh, I need to be secure. Uh, what does that mean? I need to be looked after. Uh, I, I, will I, it's really a question of will I survive? Um, a lot of people talk about security around money. I, I know that when I was a young healer and, and earning very little money, I would go to the supermarket often and have to put back stuff because I didn't have enough money to pay for it. You know, that was a common occurrence. And I was in this perpetual worry of, am I going to be able to survive, like have enough food to eat, have enough money and buy the food to look after my daughter, blah, 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 blah. I guess that that's what you're talking about when you're talking about security. So if I have enough money, I feel secure that I can feed myself and my family and I can survive. And again, it's not up to us. The survival is about, how can I put this? Yeah, it's having that trust and knowing that everything's happening is happening for you. Even when you don't have enough money, you're coming back to um, being more humble, being more grateful. It's like bringing you back into your heart because when you are in times of strife, people do come to look after you funnily enough sometimes they're family sometimes they're friends sometimes they're strangers but people look after you and then you see that there's love in the world 
and there's you're looked after at when we're all up in our stressful thoughts and worried we're not seeing the love in the world because all we're seeing is our fear our stress and then the worst thing that could happen that you worried about happens you know you lose your house you lose your money you lose your whatever and then someone again says let me feed you let me clothe you let me look after you and then your focus goes back to oh wow you know there's love in the world and so everything's happening for a reason and it's always happening for our greatest good and in response to what we're asking for and i think that as the human family has been asking for a better world a kinder world a more connected world uh, what's happening on our planet at the moment is that sledgehammer moment take your focus off your fear and put it on your gratitude put it on being grateful for what you do have that's just happened i've had so many sledgehammer moments <laughs> i can't tell you because <laughs> i was doing a lot of summoning a lot of asking you know bring me bring me bring me i remember i was thrown out of a house a single mom annika was little and my brother uh, took me in me and the cat and we're in this tiny back room the two of the three of us the cat me and my daughter and i was feeling so um poor you know like i didn't have any money but he lived in a really affluent suburb here in sydney and i remember driving around this suburb thinking i feel poor but I'm marinating in wealth. Like I'm in one of the most affluent suburbs in Sydney, you know, in Australia. I'm surrounded by riches and yet I'm experiencing lack. You know, I have to take my focus off my lack and put it on the riches that I'm surrounded in. And that was a sledgehammer moment for me too, to sort of stop feeling poor and counting pennies and worrying about money and start focusing on the wealth that you're surrounded in. and it doesn't necessarily just mean mansions and you know mercedes benz and stuff driving past the wealth of the natural world look at a look at a um pawpaw I was eating pawpaw the other day and i'm scooping out the seeds pawpaw papaya papaya, fruit, papaya any fruit a strawberry look at the fruit i'm scooping out the seeds and putting it in the compost and every single seed inside that pawpaw or papaya is a tree that will bear more fruit. Like the abundance of this world is just inexplicable. It's just so abundant. This world is so abundant. So we eat a strawberry and the strawberry is covered in seeds, absolutely covered in seeds. And each little seed is another strawberry plant. Like we're throwing away hundreds and thousands and millions and trillions of um, trees and plants just by scooping out seeds you know there's just so much abundance in this world and we focus on the lack you know and it makes me tune into that we there's a training to focus there is a training in our culture to focus on scarcity there's a scarcity massive mindset and it's part of the brainwashing of this current dimension this yeah. current reality and it is a reality that, that you will experience if you believe it is it is true but there's an opportunity here for us getting hit by this cosmic two by four and i know linda's linda's like ah four by eight i think that was a four by eight um you know, <laughs> times. but it's like here we are to be able to redefine what we're calling security 
what we're calling abundance, what we're choosing to be grateful for. And I would love to, for Linda to hop in and ask a question or give feedback to that, because I know she's had those moments. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> her yeah definitely had those moments. And I, one of the things I, I just keep hearing is, is uh, and the feeling as we talk is the separateness, the illusion of the separateness that we have when we're here, the more we, we buy into that, the greater our fear and um, the more we remember that uh, you know we're cosmic beings with these suits and that you know it it's easy to say these things i have to i have to be cognizant it's easy to say these things when we have roofs over our head and i know that i have people in my life that don't have roofs over their head that are experiencing you know the potential for homelessness for the first time and so i for me i have this wow i have to be really heartfelt and understand that there's a lot of fear there and and be uh, be understanding that that they're there and also remember the times in my life when I had such great fear. And afterwards, it was like, oh, that's what that was about. Okay, all right. Um, but it, it took me, it didn't feel good at the time. It felt horrible at the time. And it wasn't until I finally came to that other side and looked back that I uh, that I kind of got those lessons that I remember. Oh gosh, I did ask for that, didn't I? I did ask for that. Um, careful what you ask for. You're, you know, it, it can come in sideways, right? <laughs> Look, uh, I want to be strong. I want to learn strength. Well, okay, here's some really tough things for you to go through, so you can learn how strong you are. Exactly. Exactly. You know, what gets our attention is this negative, you know, this negative feedback system that we have, the negative emotions. We can be happy, 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 happy. You know, you might experience this with your show, right? You might have people commenting on your show saying, oh, it's so great, it's so great, it's so great. And then someone says, oh, it's a load of crap. And that one sentence makes you feel bad and it gets your attention. You know, the reason negative emotion gets your attention is because it's 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 speaking to you about who you are we come from realms of unimaginable bliss right so we come from uh, a stream of pure positive energy it's the truth of who we are and we experience negative emotion to show us that when we're tuning into a particular energy it's not the truth of who we are so whether it's a thought of fear or a thought of lack it feels bad, so it gets our attention. It's showing us how we're believing and how we're flowing our energy. And, and we tend to spend a lot of time being focused on the negative and trying to overcome the negative um, because it feels so bad. I remember somebody was asking Esther this too, you know, if we've got this emotional guidance system, um, how come we don't have something stronger to remind us of who we are? And it's like, is there anything more strong than a, a, a negative emotion? Like negative emotion feels bad because it's getting your attention and it's saying, this is not your truth. 
this is not your truth so every time you have a thought that doesn't feel good you're believing a lie it's not the truth of who you are <laughs> I, I equate that to pain where it's like pain we experience pain emotionally or physically because there's a disconnect the blood isn't flowing the nerves aren't going the heart isn't listening wherever the element of pain is happening is because there's an inflammation or a disconnect it's you know whatever the cosmic chi needs to be doing it's not flowing there so when god i have had a life of focused on scarcity huge and huge painful chunks you know in, in my journey and it was a point of disconnect where i wasn't trusting the universe i wasn't trusting myself i wasn't trusting life and that break in trust created pain created suffering and in this world we're taught that way of thinking is you know woo woo and like beloved beloved jamie butler says it's not woo woo it's true true you know like it's like this is we are uncovering the fundamentals of how the universe works in our body, in our relationship to ourself, in our relationship to the world, in our relationship to the divine. You've got to start doing something different because what you were doing is being stripped away because this, that's not what this world is actually about. That's the illusion that's been laid over this world. But that illusion is being shaken to its core so we can have some sort of core awakening and start to function and reconnect and operate as a cosmic community once again, which we've forgotten for how many eons. Yeah. Well, the other thing that kept coming in, um, kept coming was the, the word choice. Mm. And that it's a choice to, to continue in a path or to say, wait a minute, I'm gonna have a different relationship with what's happening here. And I'm going to look at this differently. Because uh, I think until you make that conscious decision that this doesn't serve me to have this relationship that I've been having, and then shift how you are relating to what's happening in your life, until you can actually make that a visceral choice in you, then, then you're in this automatic pilot mode and the fear takes over and so for me it's it's kind of equating you know if two people that grew up in the same family having the same experiences and have two completely different experiences they can go on the same trip they can go on the you know everything can be as close as it can be but because they perceive it differently it's different experiences exactly and just going back to that part of um, being taught, you know, we've been directly taught the opposite of the truth of who we are. So we've been taught through religion and science that if it came easily or if it feels good, that it must be a sin. Or if you're not working hard for it and it comes too easily, then it's, it's not okay. You've got to work hard for what you want and getting what you want is going to be a struggle like we've been taught the opposite of the truth of our being deliberate creation is about being more loving being more grateful being more chilled being more relaxed like the more relaxed you are the easier it comes and it's and it's easy and 
yeah, so we have to rewire, remind ourselves, rewire our, our whole conditioning. You hear it on every podcast, on every mainstream podcast, they'll be interviewing people that have success in some way, they're, whether they're you know singers or actors or whatever, at the, top, at the top of their game. And every single one of them will say, I worked really hard. It was hard work. It was hard work. It was hard work. And this gets pumped into us day after day after day that to, in order to get what you want, it's going to be a struggle and it's going to be hard. And, you know, coming back to our intuitive abilities, the very opposite of that is true. When you're trying or engaging in, in knowing your intuitive abilities more, the easier you think it is, the more relaxed you are, the more you're aware of them. Uh, it's, yeah, so what I find with my students, it's just rewiring that um, a lot of people are just so, trying so hard to see their spirit guide or meet their spirit guide or connect and and they're just, and it's like, you just like sit back and imagine you're watching television. What do you do when you watch television? You just sit and you just receive. It's a matter of just chilling out and just receiving, receiving the information. And that's what's happening with psychic ability. It comes so quick and fast and, and you just have to catch it. You have to be in that receiving mode. Uh, so you have to be out of the stressful mind, which is trying to work hard to get what you want. You know, like, I've got to work hard. I've got to work hard. I've got to work hard. <laughs> and it's how we've been like taught, like your value is how hard you work. Yeah. If you're not working hard. <gasps> you know, there's all, you know, and it just, it's so opposite. And I like, you know, Linda and I have, have had so many conversations about play play, 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 play. Oh, did you, did you want to play? Because that's what our guides will tell us. And, you know, one of the things that really helped Linda and her journey, and I've, you know, had to like learn vicarious from watching her is she had a teacher that was like, Linda, just play. Linda, just play, just play. And it's so mm -hmm. frustrating when you're like, but what are my guides saying? You know what I mean? And it's like, well, they, and when I was when I was doing that, like a couple of years ago, I was finally getting able to, to tune in. The first thing they'd always say is, "Calm down, calm down, calm down." <laughs> like that was their big message because I needed to get into a receptive state so I could actually listen to them and stop being such a weirdo and being so uptight about it, you know. And then they were then it was like, okay. Now, would you like to play? And would you like to play at life? Would you like to play at creating your podcast? Would you like to play at creating your next career move? Would you like to play with your psychic abilities? Would you like to play with paint? Would you, you know, would you like to play with creating food? You know, like, would you like to play? Because we're, we're, we'd like to play with you. Would you? Let's, you know. Yeah, Miss Linda, I feel like you got something you're wanting to say on that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still, I, I had something a while back that, that was popping in. And, and one of the things I think that gives us, uh, at least I hear and I think perhaps I project is um, seeing people that you don't think deserve it because they're not a nice person in your mind. Or, you know, and, and it's like, well, how come they can do it? What's, you know, how, how did they get that? And I'm still this. You know, and I hear that, it's like, you know, or, um, and, and to me, I sit there and think that the universe isn't about 
deserving. It's about the energy of the attraction. And the deserving part of it is us with judgment um, observing that. Uh, look, I know people think that there are plenty of um, business people, won't use the generic term, business people out there that are ruthless and lie and, and yet they've got lots of money. Like, what's up with that? You know? <laughs> but, you know, what you focus on, you get to create. If you're focused on making money, you can make money no matter what. Be focused on being rich and feel rich and you can be rich. But being rich doesn't mean you're a nice person or not a nice person. It's got nothing to do with judgment. Whatever you place your focus on and move in that direction and acclimate with that energy, you can create, right? But I grew up in a very affluent place in Sydney. And for a small part of my childhood, dad had some money and I went to private schools. And look, I can tell you that some of the unhappiest people in the world have all the material things that they get. So, you know, the goal isn't to go for the money to feel secure or um, the money to feel happy or even... Um, to connect to your spirit guides to feel more uh, safe or secure or guided. That's not the goal. The goal is the emotion that you're looking for. So I'm not going to do anything to feel secure, even if it's developing my psychic ability so I've got guidance from my spirit guides. The goal is to feel secure by just feeling secure or to be happy by feeling happy. You know, like happy is the goal, not the outcome. No, hang on. I've said that wrong. Happy is the journey, not the outcome. Yeah. It's like you can be rich or poor. Some of the happiest people in the world are poor and homeless. You know, like look at the street kids of India and they're mm -hmm. laughing and enjoying. They, uh, there was a young guy on YouTube, that um, fabulous young man who went into one of the slums in Delhi and interviewed all these families. And the, the resounding thing that they said was, they were all really happy where they lived. They lived on top of each other in, in like shoe, you know, shoebox size places of these big fat, and yet they were all really felt secure and happy and surrounded by people they loved and they looked after each other. I don't know. There was a lot of happiness in this slum in Delhi. So, yeah. So security is not about what you have, whether it's your psychic abilities or your material stuff. It's about focusing in a way or thinking in a way that feels good. So um, how can I feel secure if I have nothing? Or is that one thing I want to say, the guides have said, um, we want to remind you that your guides aren't something outside yourself. You are your spirit guides. It is you. So if we come back to, instead of trying to connect to some entity or being, that's out there, it is who I am. You know, you could call that the higher self if you like, but that guidance is who you are. It's not something you're connecting to to get. It's something that you are already. Mm -hmm. It's a bit like when I remembered or discovered that I was psychic by doing a course, I had to, I had to do the course to make me realise that I was already doing it. Uh, <laughs> because we're all already doing it. We're all masters. We're all the guidance we're seeking. We are it. We are that. I am that. I am my spirit guides. I am that God essence that I'm looking to connect to. Uh, 
there is no separation and i think linda you touched on that you know we're so we're so immersed enmeshed and marinating in the idea of separation we're separate to the love that we want the security that we want the guidance that we want and yet we are all that we are what we want and so when you claim it like i am my guidance i am my spirit guides i am that love i am that joy i am that bliss i am that abundance when you claim it as who you are the i am presence then it naturally you naturally remember you 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 let go of the separateness the limiting separate thoughts when you claim it uh, like Paul Selleck, the guide say through Paul Selleck, you know, gave some fabulous affirmations. I know who I am. I know what I am. I know how I serve. I am free. I am free. I am free. So it's just claiming it as who you are instead of seeking it. And that's the difference. Uh -huh. Stop seeking it and start claiming it. So this is what I do with my clients, my um, my students. I ask them to claim that they already are psychic instead of learning from me. I'm not teaching you anything. You just have to claim it. Mm -hmm. Just claim it. I'm already doing it. I'm doing it all the time. And witness when you're doing it. And remember when you've done it in the past. And just claim it. The only difference between someone who's channeling, you know, exalted wisdom and somebody who's not is that the person that's channeling exalted wisdom has claimed it and the other one has not my barber said that too he said the only difference between you and me is that i know that i'm god and you haven't remembered yet saibaba saibaba do you know who saibaba was is? i heard that name a guru of some he was a big indian guru yeah in yeah he had millions of followers he left his body i don't know a few years ago Anyway, he's, he was um, Sherby Saibaba before that and then he came in as Saibaba and he's coming back again. A bit like the Dalai Lama. Yeah, he'll be back. But, uh, yeah, he, I went to see him in India and, uh, yeah, and he said, you know, the only difference, he used to, like, manifest stuff like rings and vibhuti, it was called, like this ash, and people who prayed to him, the ash would build up on their altars and, like all this sort of stuff. So um, he would say, you know, the only difference between you and me is that I've just remembered who I am and you haven't yet. Wow. So like we're I all an energy. We are God, gods and goddesses in physical meat suits. <laughs> and I get this very strong, you know, when I talk about we're all in this together and we're all influencing each other and we've got you know, everything's this microcosm and macrocosm as you go up. And so we've got each of us going through this journey and we've got this collective journey that's happening. And, you know, by, by town, by state, by country, by, you know, continent, by world. And, and so as we're, as we're going through this process for ourselves, we are influencing the collective and the collective is influencing us because we are all part of the same we are all the same yeah. absolutely yeah, we, all, we are all one ultimately mm -hmm. 
Well, I think this is probably, I know we have gone over, well over an hour, um, which is normally our goal, but uh, I just wanted to let Karen tell people how they can reach out to her if they would like to learn how to embody conscious creation. Um, what is the best way for people to reach out and connect with you, Karen? Oh, well, on my website, karenswain.com, uh, you can send me a message there. There's so much on the website. You know, the website is um, like a school of deliberate creation. Obviously, there are all the shows on there uh, and there's a stack of articles and oh, I don't know. I've been tinkering with that website now for like, I don't know, how many years? How long has the web been up? <laughs> 96, 98? It's 98, did it happen? Yeah, I think I got my first computer in the in the 2000, I think it was. Yeah, but I've had the website up for probably about 15 years, maybe longer, tinkering away with it. So there's so much information on the website. And I think people rarely look at a couple of pages. They'll look at the first page and maybe the guidance page or maybe the show page. But, yeah, on the website, there's lots of information on the website. Um, yeah, so deliberate creation just reminding you of your power to, to um, that you are the creator you know we call god the creator and yet we are the creators of our reality so when we you know say that i'm creating this i'm creating this if when we own it like even when maybe COVID hits and you lose your job or your house burns down it's one thing to say i created that new job or i created you know attracting a a partner or I created making money. it's one thing to sort of own what you've created when the good stuff's happening and it's another thing to say I created that when your house burns down and every other house burns down because that seems like out of your control right mm. it just seems completely out of your control uh, but on some level you did on some level you created it that there is a part of you that has created that and it's created it for your highest good like, what am I remembering about myself? Because my house burnt down. I'm remembering to be grateful. I'm remembering not to focus on my material stuff as my worth or who I am or to identify with what I have as being who I am and coming more back to self and how I feel and how I serve this world. You know, who I am is what I give and not what I get. Well said. Yeah. Beautiful. I think way to that's close. a great place for us to to end. That's that's what we all need to hear. Yeah. That. Thank you. All right. Well, thank you both, goddesses, the goddess Linda Coulter Burge and the goddess Karen Swain. I'm Catman, and uh, what a blessing. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Please leave your thoughts, comments, opinions, reflections, and I will leave all of Karen's uh, additional information uh, down below in the uh, description. So. Thank you and blessings, everyone. Thank you. Music, sweet music, is a gateway drug to.